0: Jesus, so glad that I could explain the way I feel. Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. let Shall come forth as gold.
1: Well, amen. Let's take our Bibles. Turn over to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter twenty. Revelation chapter twenty. Revelation chapter 20, if uh, you have spent any time in the Bible, you know that it's pointing to a day, a a judgment day. It's often referred to as the Great White Throne Judgment. In this particular case, we're going to read a passage out of it, and it's going to identify how people will be judged at that judgment. And uh, how, how basically, when it's all said and done, we're going to realize that each and every one of us, to some degree or another, Uh, We're all going to answer for what we've done and what we're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice Revelation chapter 20, and I want to focus our attention on verse 12. And there in verse 12, in chapter 20, the Bible simply says this, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Now, we're beginning a series that I've entitled Finish Strong. Finish Strong. And the truth is, is that if we're going to finish strong, then we need to be very aware of priorities in our life, what's important and what's not important. And so I want to share with you uh, something from this passage that I think will be a help and a benefit and a blessing to each and every one of us. But we see here in this passage that there's a judgment taking place. And in this particular case, we have the book of life, which obviously identifies those who are in Christ Jesus. But then there, he goes on to say that there are these other books. He goes, these books now are opened. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, we read about a different judgment. And the Bible says, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. In that passage, we're dealing with what's called the judgment seat of Christ. That one is for those who have received and accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And yet the Bible tells us that we're going to be rewarded based on those things which we've done then, said and done, the sort even of those things which we've said and done. So either way, we're going to stand before the Lord. Either way, we're going to give an account. Either way, we're going to have to give an account of what God has entrusted to us, God has given to us, and what we did with it. And he says here, the books will be opened. Now, in accounting, those books will often be referred to as ledgers. In accounting, you have ledger books, and those ledgers reflect and reveal the, 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 the financial stability, the financial solubility of a particular company. The ledgers reveal the true status of that company. If it's, it, it'll reveal whether or not the company's strong, whether it's stable, whether it's soluble, or whether it's declining, desperate, and even dead. The books, the ledgers. For years... We had a broadcast, uh, and it aired on WNIR. It was on at 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday mornings. And at the time, uh, that particular station at the time was number one in the area, and it had been number one for quite a while. It had the highest ratings in the Akron area, the, the general surrounding area. And the real figurehead of that particular station was a man by the name of Howie Chiswick. Howie Chizik, again, was a talk show host, and this is a talk radio station, and that's the station we chose to be a part of because it was number one, and we wanted to reach as many lost as we possibly could with our broadcast. That's why we chose not to get with, say, Christian broadcasting. And so nonetheless, Howie Chiswick was kind of the figurehead. He was the one that everybody recognized. His was the name that came to mind when you thought of WNIR. He was the voice of WNIR. His morning talk show was listened to literally by thousands of people every single day. And most often, his voice was the voice of reason. He was an advocate for values and common sense. Chiswick, arguably the most famous voice in Akron, died of an unexpected heart attack during a Saturday flight to Florida a number of years ago. Now, when he died, Mr. Chiswick was participating in his New Adventures youth program, and, and that program treated 10 young people or 10 children each summer to a trip to Disney World. Not only that, but he was really responsible for starting a number of, of charities across the, the, the board. I mean, he was just very uh, altruistic. He, was import- he, he loved people, and he wanted to make a difference and help others. I'll be honest with you. When I heard the news that he had died, it shocked me. But you know it really shouldn't have. See, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 1, it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. On the other hand, in James chapter four, verse fourteen, the Bible says, Whereas you know what shall whereas you know that what shall be on the morrow? For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. I mean, although uh, Mr. Chiswick passed away and although he, he died, I'll be honest, I was shocked. I didn't expect that. It was unexpected, and it caught me off guard, even though the Bible teaches us that death comes to us all at different times and we can't be sure of anything. I began to think about that Friday before his death. I began to think about all the cares and all the sorrows and all the concerns that he might have had at that time. And I'm sure he did. I mean, he was a a, a talk show host. He had a a career and he was heading up a number of different charities and he was seeking to be a difference maker in the community. And so I'm positive. I'm, I'm without doubt sure that he had a lot of responsibility and a ton of weight on his shoulders. And I'm sure on Friday he was thinking about all of those things. And I'm sure he was thinking about the children and the trip that he was going to take. But come Saturday, none of those things mattered one bit as he was fighting for his life and ultimately for his last breath. Not one of them mattered. See, the Bible tells us the books were opened. See, God is keeping record of our lives. A man can spend his life accumulating wealth in this world or he can spend it building his fortune in heaven. See, there are two ledgers being kept. There's an earthly ledger. And there's an eternal ledger. There are two ledgers being kept today. An earthly and an eternal ledger. This morning I want to consider the ledgers of life. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll go from there. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together, and we do ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, and may you use your word, and may you use examples from your scriptures to do so. May we in this room understand and realize that we can spend our lives accumulating on earth. We can seek to emphasize and truly put our effort into this world and what it has to offer or we can choose to invest in eternity. Lord, we just pray that, Father, you would speak to our hearts, that you would work in our lives. And Lord, if there are those that have yet to receive and accept Christ, may they settle that before they leave. But for we that know you already, may we be convinced in our hearts as we walk out these doors that we must make an eternal investment and it must be greater than maybe we have even put forth already. May you help us, Father, to make a commitment before we leave to invest in the eternal ledger above the earthly one. We'll thank you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, a number of people, majority of people in the world in which we live are busy building a portfolio in this life. I mean, they're concerned about padding their pockets and building their bank accounts, increasing their assets, and accumulating things. See, their earthly ledgers are growing And I want to consider a couple of examples in Scripture of those whose earthly ledgers were bulging, whose earthly ledgers were filled to the max. And in some cases, they may have had to add a few pages even. First of all, I think of the rich man. The rich man. In the book of Luke, we meet a man whose earthly ledger was bulging. Take your Bible and look at the book of Luke, chapter 12. Luke, chapter 12, would you please? We're going to take a moment and look at some examples in Scripture of those whose earthly ledgers were bulging. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. That's good admonition right there. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. We could stop there and we could preach a whole message on those, that one simple phrase. Matter of fact, it goes quite well with what we're discussing and talking about today, doesn't it? But notice again, he goes on to say, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a, rich, a certain rich man brought forth plentifully... This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. When those, when, when, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. In this particular case, we have a very rich man. I mean to tell you, his business is booming. Sales were through the roofs the costs were down the market was strong things were just going wonderfully his barns were full his pockets bulging and his 401k maxed out he was on the go again it's time to build bigger it's time to tear down and build bigger because there's so much wealth there's so many things there's so much that i have accumulated a very 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 rich man When you look at the earthly ledger, it was bulging. He could turn to page 1, page 10, page 20, page 30, and he says, man, it's bulging. There's so much material good. I've increased so greatly. Boy, the earthly ledger is just packed. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I think of Herod. Herod. See, early on in church history, he was an enemy of Christianity. Matter of fact, he stood persecuting the church and its members. This is the Herod that is the grandson of Herod the Great who reigned during the birth of Jesus Christ that I'm speaking of. He was known for being a very gracious person overall. However, he was insanely ambitious, which led to an insatiable desire to be popular. And as a result, he would become a persecutor of Christians in Jerusalem. This Herod... Well, take your Bible, turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 12, would you please? We're going to see that he decided that it was time to to continue to increase his popularity, and he, he did so by taking James, the apostle, and incarcerating him, imprisoning him, and he would ultimately take his life. Now Peter has been imprisoned, and Peter is scheduled to die. Notice what it says here in the book of Acts. We're going to look at verse chapter 12. Excuse me, 12 verses 1 through 3. Yes. Notice he goes on to say, it says here in the passage, I got to get there myself. Now, about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Man, I mean to tell you, this this particular king, he saw that it pleased the Jews. He saw that it made him popular among the people. And as a result, now he takes into custody Peter. He imprisons him. He schedules him to die as well. (laughs) But Peter is supernaturally delivered. Delivered by the angel of the Lord. See, Herod's balance sheet was bulgy. He had attained the position, the prosperity, the popularity, and the notoriety that mankind dreams about. His account on earth was, I mean in all accounts, according to all accounts, out of this world. He had his earthly ledger. And I mean to tell you, the people adored him in that sense. He became more popular than ever. And he found himself accumulating wealth and prestige. This was a king who had it going. His earthly ledger was bulging. It was doing very well. And if you would look at Herod, you'd say, now there is a successful man. There is someone that's done something with his life. His earthly ledger. But look at Acts chapter 12, verse 21 now. The Bible says, And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of of a God and not of a man. Oh, my. Now, listen, we can go ahead and be coy and we can pretend to be so pious, but the truth is, is that down deep in the flesh and in the the innermost being of our our souls into that atomic nature which we all possess, there's a part of us that wants to be worshipped like a god. And you say, I would never want that. Oh, go ahead and go to Wendy's or go to the next uh, fast food restaurant and have them give you the wrong order and see if it doesn't bother you. And the truth is we want to be treated with respect. We believe we deserve respect. You are paid to do a job. You do it. Now, we shouldn't act like that, but sometimes down deep, that's how we act. It's how we think at least. We may not say it quite like that, but there's a part of us that wants to be treated as a God. And let me tell you something. That earthly ledger was bulging so much in Herod's life that people said to them, it's a voice of a God. Oh my. Talk about success in this life. The earthly ledger bulging. But notice the Bible goes on to say and the people gave a shout saying it is the voice of a God and not of a man and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. He died, his flesh was eaten. It's as though his body decayed on the spot. See sadly for Herod This life was over, and now the books will be opened. The only investment he made, though, was in an earthly ledger. I think of the rich man and Lazarus. Look, if you would, in Luke chapter 16. We're going to begin in verse 19. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. This man's greatness or his wealth is so well known that even Christ himself spoke of it. In Luke 16, verse 19, the Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. This rich man enjoyed the latest fashions. I mean he enjoyed the finest foods. I mean the rarest of delicacies. He had the most exotic fibers and I promise you this he had the softest sandals. His servants waited on him hand and foot. There was nothing that he wanted, materialistically speaking. There was nothing that he could not possess in this life and on this earth. His earthly ledger was bulging. It was building every day. He kept looking at it and he was so proud of himself. And he felt like he was somebody because he accomplished something in this life. But sadly... The books were opened. And all he had invested in his life was the earthly ledger. And he had nothing for eternity. See, these men had the best that the world had to offer. They had the power, the popularity, the prosperity, the preeminence. Their barns were full, their businesses booming, their bank accounts overflowing. Their earthly ledgers Bulging. But there's another ledger. It's the eternal ledger. There's the eternal ledger. See, more than not, mankind is concerned about the bottom line in their earthly ledgers. And yet, we are admonished to reconsider, to give thought to the alternative that maybe it's wise not to invest in earthly things, but instead eternal things. In the book of Matthew, turn if you would to chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking and he's going to state... Something that's very practical and pertinent to you and I even today. Notice what he says in verse 19 and 20 of Matthew chapter 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like the Lord Jesus Christ is admonishing us, encouraging us, and commanding us to invest in the eternal ledger oh listen, don't misunderstand this. I'm not saying that you can't own nice things and I'm not saying you can't make good money and I'm not saying you can't be wealthy or have prosperity or even popularity. But let me tell you something, if that becomes the priority in your life, if that is what is preeminent in your mindset, my friend, you have missed the boat and you're no longer investing in eternal things but simply earthly. I can't help but think of a few that made investments in their eternal ledgers through the scriptures. Oh, they had very little in their earthly ledger, but their eternal ledger was overflowing. Think about John the Baptist. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1, verse 6, And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Yummy, yummy. Well, I can't wait to say amen and go home and eat some wild locusts and eat some honey. You put enough honey on something, it makes everything taste good, right? I don't think so. No, I I don't don't think so. And we're not talking about barbecue sauce here. We're not talking about, uh, you know, some, as I mentioned the other day, um, ranch dressing. I mean, you know what I mean? It makes everything taste good. Uh uh, not locusts. I mean, this is John the Baptist. There he is. Repent, 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 man. I mean to tell you, here he was. He didn't have a nice suit on. He wasn't able to do those things. He didn't have access to it. And I mean, all I know is he's out in the wilderness and he's preaching the word, the uh, the word of God. And he's out there. He has no, no. He don't have two nickels to rub together. I mean, i tell you what, you looked at him, you'd probably say he's a crackpot, he's a lunatic, he's out of his mind, he has nothing, and he looks like nothing. He's a big zero! His earthly ledger, hmm, nothing. But you want to know something? The books are open. I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know about you, but I could only hope that one day when God looks at my eternal ledger, that it's even remotely close to what John's was. You say, but he wasn't successful in the world's eyes. Nope. He didn't accumulate. He didn't have a nice house to provide for his family. Nope. He didn't have good clothes to wear. Nope. You know what he had, though? The favor of God on his wife. And he was investing in something that he'll spend an eternity enjoying. We spend a lifetime investing in something we only enjoy for a vapor. I think of the widow. Look in Mark chapter 12, would you please? Verse 41. I love this woman. I've never met her, but I love her. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41. We're going to read through verse 44. The Bible says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury. And behold how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. Now that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Let's be honest. Most Baptist pastors, most Presbyterian pastors, Pastors or priests or most uh, Catholic priests or most rabbis are pretty excited when somebody that's rich comes through and dumps a lot in the offering plate. I mean, that's pretty impressive. We like that. And boy, that's all good and that's wonderful. And it's nice when people go through, the offering comes through, and we think, man, praise God, somebody just hit the lottery. We're going to be doing well this week. Just don't tell me you hit it. But that's not how Jesus saw it. You would think he'd be impressed. People with money giving a lot. You say, they ought to do that. I'm not going to debate what they should or shouldn't do. I'm going to tell you what Jesus' emphasis is, though. Notice as we continue on, notice what he goes on to say. And there was a certain poor widow. You know what that's implying? She had no means of income. She had no one supporting her, no one taking care of her. She had nothing. She didn't have two nickels to rub together. And she threw in two mites. Let's just make a mite a penny just for the sake of argument. And let's just say she threw in two mites, two pennies. Oh, big whoop. Wow. You might as well just stay in your seat, lady. I ain't going to do nothing to help the church. I ain't going to do nothing to help God's cause. Come on, she probably was wearing clothes that were to the best she had. They might have looked kind of raggedy. Maybe they weren't very very neat and, and tidy. I don't know. All I know is she didn't have two nickels to rub together. She had a couple pennies, though. That's all she had to her name. That's all she owned in life. That's all she had in her earthly ledger. And she gave it. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them. Teaching moment. Here it is now. Watch. He's teaching his disciples. Verily I say unto you, he's not teaching them what to give. He's teaching them how to give. Verily I say unto you, he's not teaching them just how to give their money. He's teaching them how to give their lives. He's not just teaching them how to give some dollars in the offering plate. He's teaching them how to give their time. And he called unto him his disciples, and he saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast... He is not saying this. Jesus, there has to be a typo. He obviously misunderstood what she put in the offering. that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. I don't know about you, but I get the impression he's saying, go ahead and add it all up. Go ahead and add that rich man, that rich man, that rich man, that rich man, everything they put in. And I'm going to tell you something. Those two mites add up to more than all they gave. For all they did cast in of their abundance. See, this was full. The earthly ledger was full. They could part with some of it. It wouldn't hurt the bottom line. I can give 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000. It's not going to hurt me. But this widow gave everything. See the difference? See how God sees things? Teaching moment. For all they did cast in their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even her living. All her living. I've heard it said it's not what you put in that matters most but what you have left. You know what she was doing? She was investing in the eternal ledger. Oh, I'm telling you, she had nothing when she walked out of the service. She didn't even know where the next meal was coming. She had put in all that she had. That's the investment she was making in the eternal ledger. I think of Peter and Andrew. Matthew 4, verse 18 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Can you imagine that? They had families. I'm sure they had children. I'm sure they had a house payment. I'm sure they had all kinds of responsibilities. But there came a point in their life when Jesus confronted them that they said, yeah, the earthly ledger's been doing pretty well. We've been doing well with the fishing company, me, dad, and the boys. We're doing well. Our company's thriving. It's going well. But hold on a second. They got a hold of, the Lord got a hold of them. And all of a sudden they realized, you know what? We're not going to be so worried about this one anymore. Let's make this one the one that matters most. Let's start making an investment in eternity. Let's start making an investment in the kingdom of God. Let's start sending something forward so that when we close our eyes in death here, we wake to something mighty and wonderful. Amen. In each case, the earthly ledger was looking pretty poor. But the eternal ledger was brimming full. Now, Revelation tells us the books were open. Someone says, I'm a Christian. It don't matter. I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to tell you something. Don't you think for a moment there is an earthly ledger and an eternal ledger that you're choosing to invest in. Don't you think that if you put this one first, you won't regret it forever. God has given you and I the blessing of being then in his family, yes. But he's also told us there are going to be rewards. And may I say that the Bible tells us that the extent of which he, uh, that he depends on us in eternity is how well he can depend on us on earth. Don't think for a moment you can live your life for yourself. Don't think you can continue to emphasize and build the earthly ledger and neglect the eternal one and think somehow when you open your eyes and stand before Jesus, you can stand with confidence and you'll stand all, hey... No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll be embarrassed to high heaven. You'll be brokenhearted because you'll realize that you spent this measly vapor investing in. And now you have nothing to show for it in eternity. Make the investment now. Choose to invest in the eternal ledger. Again, more than not, mankind is concerned about the bottom line, the earthly ledger. But you and I need to be more concerned about the eternal one. It's likely that most, if not all, have heard about the famous medical missionary and explorer, David Livingston. David Livingston had hoped to spend his life serving in in China. But the opium wars closed that door. Still, his heart broke for the perishing, and as a result of the influence of Robert Moffat, a well-known and successful missionary, David devoted his life to the African continent. Long before he ever uh, had, had devoted his life to the continent of Africa, though, he had committed his life to Jesus Christ. He expressed this statement Uh, He expressed that in a statement, and it goes like this. He made the statement, I will place no value on anything I have or possess unless it is in relationship to the kingdom of God. Notice, he said, I will place no value on anything I have or possess unless it is in relationship to the kingdom of God. See, that was his heart even before he ever left for the continent of Africa. Now, David was never wealthy although he did become famous, and he was one of the best-known missionaries of the 19th century. In David's latter years, he was offered the chance to return to England as a hero. He was very well-known, and he was encouraged to come back and live out his last days in comfort and in ease after all the years of suffering and sacrifice. Instead, David chose to remain in Africa He chose to communicate the gospel to the very people that had won his heart so many years prior to. And he did that until early one morning when he was found on his knees in his hut. Lifeless and in the arms of Jesus. Upon his death, the natives removed his heart, literally cut his heart out and buried it under a mulva tree. See, the body was embalmed and returned to the homeland. See, they, they, they realized you may have the body of David Livingston, but hey, his heart belongs to us. And so upon his death, his body was embalmed and returned to the homeland. And on April the 18th, 1874, London came to a stop as the body of David Livingston was transported and buried in Westminster Abbey. The whole civilized world wept They gave him a 21-gun salute and a hero's funeral among the saints at Westminster Abbey. Brought by faithful hands over land and sea, his tombstone read, David Livingston, missionary, traveler, philanthropist. For 30 years, his life was spent in an unwearied effort to evangelize the native races, to explore the undiscovered secrets, and to abolish the slave trade. That's what was on his epitaph. What most don't know is that David had a brother by the name of John. John had set his mind on making money and becoming wealthy. And he did. He became a famous lawyer in England. Still as the casket of the famous missionary brother made its way to Westminster Abbey amidst the thousands lining the streets... John couldn't help escape the dawning thought that his life had been spent and even wasted on the temporal. At his passing, upon his own request, he had engraved upon his headstone, quote, John Livingston, the elder brother of the African missionary explorer, Dr. David Livingston. See, one brother had dedicated his life to Christ. One brother had given himself to the eternal ledger and the other to the earthly. Two men, two brothers, yet lived very different lives and in the end invested in very different ledgers. Two little lines I heard one day. Traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord meet and stand before His judgment seat. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still, small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life t'will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep, faithful and true where'er the strife, pleasing thee with my daily life. Only one life t'will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasures on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This morning we have a choice to make. What ledger will you invest your life, your energy, your time, your effort, your talents, your treasures? Will it be the earthly ledger? May I say no matter how successful you become in this world... You will only awake to nothing. Oh, you may be saved. I'm not going to question that, but I'm telling you, you will regret that decision your entire eternity. Or will we make a choice, a decision to invest in the earth, the eternal ledger? Oh, in this life, it may cost us. In this life, it may mean sacrifice. In this life, it may mean not attaining to some level of that the world says is success, I don't know. But what I do know is we'll have God's favor. And what I do know is we'll never regret this decision. There is an eternity that awaits. The books will be opened. How does your eternal ledger look? Isn't it time we start making greater investments than ever into this one? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you started that relationship? Have you began that relationship with Him as you ought? Oh, I know He loves you, but the question is, have you received and accepted that love by accepting and receiving Him as your Lord and Savior? It's not enough that He died for you. You have to accept and receive the payment that He paid. You have to receive Him and say, Lord, I'm the sinner you died for. I deserve to go to hell. I need your forgiveness. Oh, save me. Oh, come into my life. Do you need Christ as your Savior? If you do, then settle that today. But if you've already settled that, let's make the right decision and come to the right conclusion. Eternal ledger. Let's make the investments we ought to. Let's put the time, the energy, the effort, the talent, the treasures into this and stop investing in fool's gold. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. We ask, Lord, that you'd bless us and help us. We are needy people today. I just pray, Father, that we would have been provoked to think, to assess, to evaluate our lives. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, speak to us and help us to realize that we need to make the internal investment. Oh, God, help us now. We pray that you would speak to your people and May we make decisions today that will affect tomorrow and the next day, next week, next month, next year, affect us a lifetime. Father, I pray for your leadership now in the lives of each person. And Father, if there be one that's without Christ, may they settle their soul salvation even this morning. May they just make that walk forward and see somebody at the front that's here to greet them and let them take just a moment and show them the precious promises of how they too can have their sin forgiven and be included in the family of God and on their way to heaven and have their eternal soul saved from sin and the consequences of it. Oh, may you help them to begin afresh and anew with that relationship with Christ today. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all